everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Highly Healing Podcast. This is your host, Ray. I know I've been absent for a couple of weeks. Um, some crazy sickness, not the vid of the cove of the 19 type hit our house, but I was really sick. So I'm playing catch up. This week's episode, highly anticipated. It's going to be a two-parter, so part one is going to be right after this little intro. I just want to shout out my friends over at the Just Keep Swimming podcast for assisting me in editing this episode. Uh, Part one is going to be about an hour long, and so will part two. This episode is with my guest, Espy, and she's going to talk to us about her story of her life um, and how God has played a huge role in her healing journey. Uh, Disclaimer, trigger warning, this episode does mention uh, self-harm, thoughts of suicide, addiction. So if you're sensitive to those types of subjects, we just want to give you a heads up. So let's go ahead and dive right on into this. Hi guys, my name is Espy. Um, I'm so happy and I'm thankful that Rihanna has me on her Highly Healing podcast because some things about me are highly healing. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I am 25 years old. I am a mother of two beautiful boys. Um, I am a local to Las Vegas. Um, and at this very um, moment, I'm a survivor of all the abuses, um, sexual, physical, emotional. Um, I used to be a drug addict. Um, just a lot that we're going to unpack here today about my story, my life and where I'm at today. A big part of my story has a lot to do with mental health, medication, um, suicidal, um, suicidal ideation. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to get into, you know, what's going to happen with my story. This is my first time kind of getting on a, um, a podcast. So I'm excited. Yes, I'm really excited to have you here, and I've watched you grow and flourish over Facebook, and I just had it in my heart, like, I was like, I need to get her on here and share her story, like, I really want to hear more about her life and how she's been able to overcome everything. Dude, and it's been freaking crazy, you know, so that's like a really reoccurring theme for me is that um, a lot of my friends have seen me on Facebook. A lot of people haven't really met me in real life, but they've seen like the progression of what has happened. And um, it's it's a really crazy story, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I'm a Las Vegas local. I was born here. Um, my mom was she, um, she had me, I'm a product of rape. So that's one thing. Um, my mom was really young. Uh, she was about 16, I think when she had me. Um, and when she had me, I didn't really, I don't know who my dad is. Um, she doesn't really like know who he was or anything like that. She doesn't know his name or anything. Um, so she married my brother and sister's dad. Um, and he was from, he was like first generation Mexico, you know, from Mexico. So he comes down here, you know, he's an immigrant um, and he raises me from the ages of three months um, up until I'm about 12. Um, I didn't know, you know, he wasn't my dad, which was crazy. Um, I thought that he was my dad this whole time. Um, And um, 
you know, first generation Mexican, you know, whoever, you know, is listening to this and knows, you know, they're strict, you know, they're, they're a little, they're a little crazy sometimes. So, um, my life growing up, my dad was just very abusive physically, you know, he was just very strict. And, um, although he had a really, he had made a really good life for himself financially. Um, we never really worried for things like that. Um, my mom and dad were always really good at working. Uh, they had really good jobs and we were kind of sheltered and naive in that way of not knowing like what about what welfare was or really knowing about those things. Um, so as we grew up, um, he was very physically abusive towards me and my brother, the older brother. He, I'm the oldest out of four, um, but he was like the oldest brother and he was really physically abusive towards me and him. Um, so me and my brother were always like really mad at like my sister and my younger brother because we were like you guys always tell on us and we get beat up you know so as the years go on um you know he's just a psycho and um I'm always you know put in this position of like my mom was never really there in my head you know from what I remember um she was always like working and as I grew up my dad kind of like told me my mom was always cheating on him and my mom struggled with mental illness my mom has bipolar. Um, she has PTSD. She has anxiety. Um, she has a lot of those things. So I didn't know that growing up um, that my mom was always, you know, trying to hurt herself or she was always cheating on my dad because of, you know, her manic stages. Um, so around the age of like eight is when I can remember that my dad was molesting me. Um, and it went on until I was 12. When I was 12 um, is when I finally told my mom. And I and this is when they had divorced at this point. Because, um, like, I remember being, like, I think I was, like, 10 or 11. Um, we lived in St. Louis at this time because my dad was an executive chef for, like, real high-end restaurants. So he got relocated to St. Louis, Missouri. So we all moved down there. And um, I remember in Missouri... Like, that was the first time I didn't have any, like, like, you know, at that age, you don't know what, like, suicide is. I mean, like, you don't know, like, what that is, you know? So, um, I'm in my room. Like, I remember, like, just being in my room, getting scarves and just, like, trying to, you know, hurt myself, trying to suffocate myself and seeing how long I could go without breathing. Um, and that's, like, really deep for, you know, like, an 11-year-old, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, and then I remember, um, I cut myself for the first time and my mom got really mad at me. Um, she got really mad at me. She was like, no, you don't cut yourself. Like you're fine, you know? And so that just kind of scared me. So I stopped. But so when I was 12, I remember my mom and dad had divorced at that point and we moved back to Las Vegas. And I remember telling my mom, um, dad's been doing this to me. And because I didn't really know uh that he was doing that to me because it was like it wasn't scary it was always just like really sweet so I thought that it wasn't he wasn't hurting me like in a it didn't feel like you know scary I don't know it just seemed like something normal um that he would do to me so I just thought it was us like you know just he loved me a lot um and he just really loved spending time with me and that was how you show your father love you know which was weird um but that was my you know concept so as I got older, my, my mom was starting to date this other guy when they got divorced and her, his, 
niece and I were close and she told me she had been molested. And I was like, what's that? You know, I was like asking her and she was like, well, he did this and this and that. And I was like, that sounds a lot like what happened to me. And so I tell my mom, Hey mom, I don't think this is normal that like dad was doing that to me. And she like, was like, what, you know, cause nobody believed her when she told everybody what happened to her. Nobody believed yeah. her. Um, so she like went through all this, she got taken away, you know, all these things. Um, but she believed me. So she believed me and my brothers and sisters absolutely hated me at this point because they're like, you're lying, you know, cause I was a blabbermouth. Like I was always like that. Like I would say everything. You can never tell me anything, you know, it was going to be told. So they were like, why would she keep something like this, you know, for so long and not say anything? So, um, yeah, I tell my mom and then now my brothers and sisters are mad at me. My dad is like, you know, calling me a whore and all these things and that I'm a liar and that I'm trying to ruin his reputation. And I'm like, what the heck, you know? And, um, so, you know, the years go on, whatever he ends up, we moved to Idaho or something. No, it was before that. So he, you know, he's out of my life. Like he just, he's not in my life anymore. My mom, you know, is called the cops, you know, they're doing an investigation. This investigation is really, really stressful on me. Um, they keep asking me stupid questions that I was annoyed with. Like, they're like, did he take off your bra or did you take off your bra? And I'm like, what, why did I'm 12, you know, I'm 12. Like, why would it matter if I took it off or if he took it off? You know, I was just very frustrated. Yeah. So all that happens. Um, I'm not really paying attention to it at this point. I'm just, I'm a teenager, you know, and I start falling into like really being really promiscuous and like, you know, cause I know that a lot of kids either that are molested or raped or, you know, whatever they end up either being don't touch me or everybody touch me, you know, it's one or the other. And so I ended up being the other, the latter, you know, being more promiscuous. Um, cause I thought that was like my only, um, thing I could give to anybody. You know, I thought that was the only thing that I could give to anyone. So I ended up being very promiscuous. Um, and, at one point, this was causing so much stress that my mom started noticing that I was crying a lot. Like, I would just be crying a lot. I would isolate. My moods were very up and down. Um, my sleep was weird. You know, I like it was just weird. And my mom, you know, being bipolar, she's like, no, she is bipolar. You know, she has like, that's scary. So it's weird how it happened. Like, I didn't even see a psychiatrist which is like, I didn't even see one. Um, my mom just kind of talked to one and they prescribed me medication. Um, like I didn't even like talk to the psychiatrist or anything. Um, you know, I just remember my mom coming home and being like, here's your meds. We're going to start taking meds, you know? And I'm like, and I hadn't even been to therapy at this point yet. Um, so I'm like, Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Like I was, I hadn't even been to therapy. Like I was, my mom's just like, no, you're freaking me out. Like you're going to take meds. And so I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, so I start taking whatever this is. I don't even remember what it was. Um, and, you know, it was weird. I mean, like, I remember I'm only 12, you know, like, you know, so I start taking this medication. And once I start taking this medication, I start getting worse, if anything, <laughs> I just start getting worse. And um, I, I have my memory is so foggy. Like, it's so foggy as, like, when these things happen or everything. But I remember the big things. So I remember um, the first time I tried to kill myself. Um, my mom and stepdad, um, 
I don't remember what happened, but he wanted me to wash the dishes or something. And I don't know what led up to this. I think it was, you know, just everything I'm going through with my dad and then like my brother's hating me and then not being really accepted at school. Um, the promiscuity thing going on. So I go and I, um, my uncle was living at, with us at the time and he was bipolar and he took a lot of medication and he had him out just, you know, just out, you know, they weren't like safe keeping or anything. They weren't like up in a safe or anything. So mm-hmm. I go and I know that, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I knew about like overdosing or anything, but I just knew take as many as you can. So I go and I take like a crazy amount of medication and I just go lay down. Like I just go lay down and I go to sleep and my stepdad comes upstairs and he, I guess I left a dish in the sink or something. So he's coming upstairs to tell me and I can kind of hear what's going on, but I can't cause I'm, you know, I'm just like, I can't get up though. Yeah. Um, so he comes upstairs and he like, can't wake me up, you know? And he thinks I'm just like, just playing around and he cannot wake me up. And he's like, what the, heck? you know, he's like cussing. He's like, what the heck is going on? He's like slapping me, trying to wake me up. And my mom comes in, she's freaking out. And it just, it reminds me of being in a war zone, you know, like all I heard was ambulance coming up and like hearing just like, boom, 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 like wake her up, wake her up, like get her up. And it was such a, like a weird experience for me. And it seems like a dream now. Um, but yeah, so then they take me to the hospital. That's the first time I try to kill myself. Um, and this leads into like 50 more times over my, my lifetime, 50 more times of me trying to kill myself in different various ways. And, um, so that's the first time I ended up in a mental hospital. Um, I wake up and I'm just like, what is going on here? You know, I have charcoal all over my shirt, you know, from throwing up. I don't know what's going on. I get up, I'm, I'm a teenager. I go out there and like, they're like going to group and I'm like, where am I? You know, I'm like, I don't even know where I'm at. And, um, that was like the beginning of hell at that point. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was literally from that age till, you know, until, you know, I, it was crazy. So like I was on a bunch of medications, always in the mental hospital at this point now, um, because I liked it there. Eventually I started liking it there because I was like, there's structure there. Um, like they actually love me. They like the staff became a family to me. Um, so I ended up being in that hospital all the freaking time. Um, and they never really knew what was wrong with me. There was always like a different diagnosis, you know? And I feel like I was so mentally ill at that point that I was like trying to be worse. Like I liked being worse. Um, it was creepy because sometimes I would even have different personalities. Um, I would even, uh, like have delusions. I would, it was just creepy, you know, where I was at, you know, like, and I was so young and how much medication they were giving me. Um, you know, I was on a medication for everything, uh, and none of them would work. Uh, so yeah, as time went on and then I ended up being in like a mental health facility for young teenage women in Reno called Willow Springs. And I was there for like six months, um, away from my mom. I remember my mom dropping me off and I was just so mad, like so angry that she left me there. Um, and I was there for six months, um, away from my family. I only saw my mom, you know, maybe once every couple of months. Um, and then when I came home from Willow Springs, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, she's going to do great. You know, cause I had really good 
I was really good at manipulating people. Mm-hmm. I was really good at that. Because I was like, I know how to play you guys. I know how to play all the therapists and tell you guys that I'm good. You know, you guys will think I'm good. And so they let me go home. I come home from Willow Springs. And like a week later, I run away. Like I run away um, and I end up doing drugs for the first time. I end up doing meth for the first time. And at this point, I think I'm like 14, maybe 13 or 14. And um, these people I'm with don't know how old I am. They think I'm like 16. Um, And I'm having sex with these, this couple, I'm like 14 or 13 at this point. I'm doing meth every day with them for like two weeks. Um, And then I come home. Like I come home at this point and my mom and them are living in Idaho because my mom was like running from the cops because she was crazy. She was doing something crazy. So then I come home and I tell my mom what happened. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever. And, um, and then I think like a couple of, you know, it's just always was a reoccurring thing. Like it just always was. I was always in the mental hospital. I started being homeschooled at this point. I was always fighting people in school, um, switching medications, not taking my medications. You know, it was just over and over again um, up until I turned about 16. And then when I turned 16, I was like, deuces, you know, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Like, I'm done. You guys are crazy. Like, I don't want to be around you anymore. Like, my mom wasn't taking care of me. You know, she had cancer. Um, she got she was she got cancer when I was like 15. And I was like, you can't take care of me. Bye. So I run away with like this boyfriend I'm with. And I started selling my I started selling myself because I'm like, well, I can't get a freaking normal job. You know, I was like, and I'm not going to. So then I start doing meth even more. I'm not taking my medication at this point again. My mental state is just weird at this point. Um, you know, being a 16-year-old, having sex with, like, 10 people a day, you know, that, that'll mess with you, you know? Of course. So then, you know, I'm doing all that. And Saul, my oldest son, his father was a customer of mine. Uh, he, you know, there was a bunch of men in that industry who want to save you. You know, they're like, oh, come with me. I have money. Like, I love you. I'll just give you everything you want. And, you know, I was like, no, no, I'm okay. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, but his dad was more of like a younger, he was 21. I was 16. It just felt more comfortable to me. And he was not a weird, he didn't seem weird to me, you know? So I was like, I let him take me. I was like, you know what? You can take me out of this life. So he takes me out of this life and, um, my mental stability was just horrible. You know, I'm just being psycho again. You know, I'm not doing meth at this point anymore because he told me stop and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be good if you just stop. And I was like, okay. So I stopped, but then I started smoking weed a lot. I started drinking, um, and, uh, we ended up, you know, I had a baby I got pregnant like maybe three months, four months into the relationship. Um, he left. Well, I left. And then like, um, I moved in with my grandma. I'm pregnant being, you know, alone. Um, and I'm 16 and he cuts off like all contact with me at this point. And, um, so I have the baby, I have Saul and, 
during the time of me being pregnant with Saul, I was still very promiscuous. Like I, I could not be alone. That was one thing about me. I was like, I just couldn't. I could not be without a man. Like I had to have one. Um, so I was promiscuous while I was pregnant. Um, and after I had Saul, me and his father like got back together for like a week or two, whatever. And it didn't work out. And I ended up being with this other guy. And he was into the, like, pimp game. And me and him made this brilliant idea of um, running girls. We were like, we're going to run girls. You know, we're just going to, we're going to do this. I'm not going to do it. You know, I was like, I'm not going to do it, but I'll have other girls do it for me. And I'll teach them. And so, Saul's literally, like, two, well, a week old, maybe. And maybe two weeks old. And, you know, he's just riding around with us. You know, just, like, dropping these girls <laughs> off, doing this and that. And eventually I tell Saul's dad, can you just take Saul for like the weekend? And he's like, yeah. And so he takes Saul for the weekend. And that's where I start doing meth again. Um, I start doing it again and I start prostituting again. Um, And I come back and Saul's dad definitely knows, you know, what's going on. Cause he's just like, you're being weird, you know, and I can tell when you're being weird and you're dressed different, you know, and you missed like a couple of days of your child's life and didn't even reach out to me. So I get my son and then he calls CPS on me. Um, CPS drug tests me. I get my son taken away. Um, within that month, you know, I stop, you know, I cut ties with all those people. Um, uh, but it was, you know, cutting ties with them was not easy. Um, you know, the, one of my, one of these, and a lot of these girls were my friends from high school and I brought them into it. And I feel really bad to this day that I was the reason that they ended up on drugs and that they ended up in that lifestyle. Cause these girls weren't like that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so like one of the girls comes to me and she's like, I want my stuff back. You know, because I had taken her stuff because they said they were going to come with me and leave. Um, and because my brother, he like went into the my brother went into the hotel room and he was like, bro, what is wrong with you? You know, my brother's like maybe 14 at the time. And he's like, what is wrong with you? You look weird. And I'm like, I'm like, I need to leave. Like, I need to go. I can't be here anymore. So we get everything we can and just leave. And this guy that's like watching us has a gun. And he's like, you're not taking her anywhere. And he was like, bro, you better try. You're going to have to do something to me for me to not take my sister up out of here. You're crazy. Um, so I get all their stuff. So this girl comes to my house to come get her stuff. And I ended up in this whole time, you know, Saul's dad is like there. And I'm fighting this girl in the middle of the freaking apartment complex. Like I'm literally stabbing her in the face with a key. Like because I'm just like, why are you here? Um, and then, you know, so that happens, whatever, you know, that was the craziness. Um, so then like a month goes by and I'm drinking a lot. I don't have Saul, but I'm not really, I'm not doing meth, but I'm still drinking, um, and being promiscuous, you know, being stupid. And then they finally say, you know what, you can have Saul back. And so I go to get Saul back and Saul's dad won't give him back to me voluntarily. So then I had to go through like a whole freaking thing of like six months of getting Saul back through the court. And um, that was hard. That was extremely hard because sometimes I wouldn't be able to see Saul for months because his dad just wouldn't let me. Um, so then I go to court, the final court, 
you know, because eventually they would give me like visitation for like an hour or, you know, then they would like and it would have to be at a McDonald's and it was like so stupid. And then and then finally, when it was the last court date, uh, he didn't show up like his dad didn't show up to court. And the you know, the judge is like, well, because um, he was fighting me for full custody. He was like, no, I want full custody. And so he was like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I want full custody. And he was like, okay. So he just gave me full custody. He gave me, you know, child support, all this stuff, you know. So I get Saul back. And my life is still rocky. You know, it's rocky, but things are looking up. And at this point, I don't, I was raised to know who God was, but like, and I was raised Catholic, but I was always like that person that was just kind of like, what, a, who's God? Like, why would I love God if he was doing all these if all these horrible things happen to me, like, why would God let that happen? So I was just very spiteful towards him. But at this point, when I got Saul back, you know, I would pray sometimes, you know, I mean, I would try, you know, I mean, I think we all kind of do it. We pray, even though we don't really know why we're praying um, or who we're praying to. So I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, God, if like, I got my son back, like, please send me a man that'll treat me and Saul, you know, like, a queen and a prince you know yeah and all of a sudden i meet jimmy <laughs> like all of a sudden i meet jimmy who i'm with now um so jimmy that's a funny story so <laughs> jimmy you i don't know if you remember but you know that stupid app we used to have called meet me yeah oh my god <laughs> where everybody just hooks up on there and it's just like stupid yeah so, it's kind of like a tinder like yeah tinder. so I go on meet me because I'm just like I'm bored you know I just want a guy to hang out with tonight whatever I go on there and Jimmy messages me and he's like oh you're so beautiful like when can I take you out and I was like yeah like come over you know just hanging out and he was like okay so (laughs) he comes over and I told God I'm gonna do this one right like I'm not gonna have sex with him on the first night I'm not gonna freaking do all that you know because I was a little I was a little hoe so (laughs) I I was like no I'm not gonna do it like I want to do this right and me doing this right was me sitting there with him telling him my whole life story you know I sit there and I tell him everything and I'm like if this guy can't handle my whole life story then he's not meant for me you know and Mm -hmm. he sat there and he listened to my whole entire life and he was okay with it and um um and then uh because like that was a reoccurring thing with guys is that like I have I was a prostitute. I've had sex with over a hundred men, you know, I mean, like that was a huge thing for guys. They were like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want that. You know? So I just like straight up was like, I'm not playing this game with nobody anymore. You guys are, are cool with it or not, you know? So I told him everything. And then he like shows up the next day with Starbucks, you know? And like, he's like, Oh, you know, so that just started our relationship and we ended up being together, you know, when we still been together. So, um, so uh, while I'm with Jimmy, I'm not taking my medication. Uh, cause I'm like, no, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. Even though, you know, I'm not sleeping very much. I'm still. And when I was manic, you know, I would talk really fast. Like I would talk really fast. I would stay up all night. I would be very impulsive. Like I would just be like, yeah. And that's why I have so many freaking tattoos. Like I had, I think like 10 tattoos at the age of like 17. You know, I already had a bunch and that was very taboo at the back then, you know, to have tattoos, mm-hmm. um, especially in visible areas. I had one on my neck at this point. You know, I had them on my hand. You know, it was just weird for people to have tattoos there. It was very taboo. So 
And I was very impulsive. I would just be like, I want a tattoo. Let's go get a tattoo. So I would go get a tattoo. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, during this relationship with me and Jimmy, I'm not on my medication in the beginning. In the beginning. And for like maybe like two and a half years, I'm not on medication. But Jimmy does see this like up and down and flux of de- like depression and anxiety and having panic attacks and like can't sleep and then like age regressing um and then like uh what else like there was just a bunch of stuff like um disassociating um I was just a mess and I was like no I will not go back on medication like I was so traumatized by medication like it was a traumatizing thing to be on because I had been on it for so long Mm -hmm. so then um let's see so then yeah like we end up so this is like where it gets real crazy like this is the really crazy experiences when I got pregnant with our son me and Jimmy's son Luciano I got pregnant like about a year and a half into our relationship and um my pregnancy and this is when me and him move out on our own this is when we're living on our own and um I remember we lived on Lake Mead and Jones like it was like the most ghetto apartment in the world but we were like yay we have our own place you know and I was really happy um me and him had a lot of problems though throughout this time um and I was extremely depressed and I had like I think it was called I think it was like I forget what it's called but it's like postpartum depression before you even have the baby Like, it was something else. I don't know what it's called, but it is a thing, like, where you get postpartum depression before you even have a baby and you're still pregnant. Um, So I was already, like, I had no connection with Luciano in the belly. Like, Saul, I used to sit there and play with my belly. I would talk to him. I would play music. All this stuff. You know, I was really happy to be pregnant. Luciano, I was so miserable my whole pregnancy. I threw up all day long. I couldn't eat anything. I was so depressed. Um... Like, I just, I didn't even want to live sometimes. And I just hated everything. And Jimmy was really, really, like, sad about it. You know, we just weren't happy. So after I have Luciano, um, I'm now I'm, like, happy again for some reason. I'm like, oh, okay, like, I love him so much. He's so beautiful, you know. I'm like, I'm so happy. And I think, like, a week into me having Luciano, me and Jimmy are sitting out on the patio. And Luciano's sleeping in his little bassinet and I'm laying down on Jimmy's chest or whatever on the patio. We had like a couch out there and I'm, you know, we're just, I think I was drinking like some wine or something. And all of a sudden I hear a voice in my head and it says to kill my son. And I'm like, Whoa, what? And I got really scared. And I told Jimmy, I'm like, babe, I think I need to go to the doctor. Um, I think I might be having postpartum psych, like, um, depression. And he was like, oh, okay. So we go to my doctor and he puts me on Zoloft or something. And nah, that that didn't do anything. So um, I was like, I can't really remember the timeline of this, but out of nowhere, I start having these delusions. I start like the time. I could look at the time and it would change all the, like in a second, it would just be a, like a different time. Um, I started seeing dead people everywhere and I knew they were dead people because why were there five, 10 people in my room, you know, just walking around, you know, that didn't know I was there. Um, I started um, seeing demons, you know, I started seeing demons like around my babies 
And I'm like, what is going on here? And I didn't, I really, it's weird because I really wasn't even shocked about it. Like I was just kind of like, oh, this is okay. You know, I was like fine with it. Um, and I started getting really deep into like psychic medium stuff. I was like, oh, I'm a psychic and I'm a medium. Like I can literally see dead people and I could talk to them. And like, and I was talking to my cousin and I told her about her grandma, I think. I don't remember, but I was telling her like these things that she would never, has never told me. And my cousin's like, what the heck is going on here? Like, and my family's just really confused. You know, they're really confused because they're just like, you're being weird. You know, you're being really weird, but like, you won't take like that you have psychosis right now that you're postpartum psychosis. Because if you think it's crazy, because if you look up spiritual emergency, and postpartum psychosis, they have the exact same symptoms, the exact same symptoms. So like a spiritual emergency is something that would usually happen after somebody has a baby and like your like third eyes open and like everything is able to flood into you at this point, good and bad. So you're just like, and so I'm like, no, I'm having a spiritual emergency. Like you guys are freaking out for no reason. I'm getting these gifts that I'm supposed to have. And this happened for like six months straight, like where I was a psycho. Like I was just like, I thought I was a God. I thought I was God. You know, I thought I was a God. I thought that, um, I was in and out of mental hospitals at this point. I would like, like, if you even look at pictures of me at this time, my eyes were a different color. Like my eyes were a different color. My voice sounded different. Um, it was creepy. It was really creepy. And Jimmy and like my whole family didn't trust me with the kids because sometimes I would be giving them a bath and like, I wouldn't tell them that I was having these thoughts, but they just knew not to leave me with the kids by myself. But I would have these thoughts of just drowning them. Like, and I would be fine with that. Like I was perfectly okay with that, but I never was able to do it. Like, thank God, you know, I was never able to do that to my children, but these thoughts were in my head all the time. And I was taking medication um, and I would, uh, I would have thoughts of crushing up all my pills and putting them in their milk and just killing them, you know, just like, good night, you know, bye. And I was like, fine with this. Like in my head, I was like, no, it's fine. Like they're going to go. And you know, this really resonates with me with like, I forgot her name, but she was one of those, you know, people who had postpartum, you know, something. And she killed all our kids in the bathtub. She was like drowning them because she was saving them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I had the same thing in my head as I was like, no, I'm saving them from all these demons that are around them. Like, no, there's so many demons around them. I have to save them. So I have to kill them so that they go to God. And I'm like, you know, like, that's so scary. You know, like, I could have definitely had killed my children. Um, So I really have like a soft spot for those women. I really do because I know what they went through. You know, I'm like, no, they were, they were literally going through what I went through. Like I was, you know, we're not, it wasn't me, you know, it wasn't a me thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm doing like tarot card readings, you know, I'm, you know, doing all these psychic readings, medium things. And I have a mentor and I'm telling her, and I'm taking these meds, you know, at the same time. And I'm telling my mentor, um, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't want this anymore. Like, I don't like it. I don't like being able to know all these things. I really don't like it. And she was like, well, God gave you this gift. So, you know, just ask him to take it away. She was like, if you don't want it, just take it away from, you know, have him take it away. And I was like, okay. Like, I was just like, okay. So, um, (laughs) 
I'm like, all right. So I just like tell God, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't really like it. Um, you know, can you take it away from me? And I don't remember when it stopped, but it seemed like instantaneously, like the next day I just kind of woke up and it was gone. Like it was just gone. I, and I was kind of normal again out of nowhere. Like I was just, and Jimmy's like, cause I would be normal for a little bit. Like I would be normal. I would be able to take care of the kids. And then out of nowhere, I'm just like crazy. Like I would be talking to the wall. Like I would be talking to the wall or I would be, um, what else? Like I would, I don't know. I would say weird things. I would be like, you know, we'd be driving and I would just be like that girl right there. Like I would just be talking about someone right there. And I'm like, that girl has so much, you know, going on in her head, like her dad and like, and Jimmy's like, what are you talking about? You know, just like, what is going on? You know? And, um, you know, God bless his heart. Cause he like stayed with me through this whole entire point. You know, he stayed with me. Yeah. And, you know, he had to take care of Luciano. And Saul's dad always had Saul. Like, you know, so my kids were greatly affected by this because I was not there. I, I just wasn't there, like, ever. Like, I wasn't there um, mentally. You know, I was, like, in another place. And um, so, um, and I even remember, like, one time I'm in the mental, well, I'm in the hospital because me and Jimmy had gone in an argument and Jimmy's trying to tell the police that I'm mentally like psychotic. And they're like, well, she seems fine to me. You know, and they're, he's like, please just take her to be evaluated, please. He's just, he's just like, please. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just a psychic. And they were like, well, you can't discriminate against her because she's a psychic. You know, like, I mean, you can't call her crazy. Some people are. And Jimmy's like, no, I promise you. <laughs> he's like, he's like really telling them. He's like, I swear she's really not. And so, um, I go to the like the hospital where he works at this point. He was working at Mountain View Hospital. And so I go there to get evaluated by a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is like, well, you're fine. Like, no, you're fine. But then they start noticing I'm being weird. Just so then they're like, you know what? Actually, we're just going to leave you here for a second. But they didn't tell me. They told me they were getting ready for my discharge. But this was like hours, you know. So I'm just like pissed off at this point. And I start being weird, you know, I'm start doing my weird stuff. You know, I was like cleaning the room and like saying things. I don't know. I was saying like some chant or something. I'm like, I don't know. I was just being weird. So then, um, Jimmy goes into work and he goes to check on me and he's like, Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, who are you? Like, who are you? Like, I don't know who Jimmy is at this point. Like, I don't know who he is. And, um, I start freaking out. And they're like, hey, SB, you need to, like, go into your bed. You need to stay there. You can't be, like, walking in and out of your room. You need to, like, stay in your room. And I'm like, no. Like, I'm going to stay here. I like it here. And, like, I'm being crazy. And um, so it was really traumatic for Jim Jimmy because he had to help them take me down and put me in my bed and shoot me in the butt with something to knock me out because I was being a psycho. Like, he had to help them hold me down. And... I remember like falling asleep, you know, with this medicine and cause they gave me a shot and we used to call it booty juice like all the time because it's literally like horse tranquilizer that goes in your butt. Like they put it in your butt and you just knock out. Um, so I'd be laying, I was laying there and I'm like falling in and out and Jimmy's like, I love you. And he's just crying, you know? And I'm like, I don't know you like, go away. I hate you, you know, saying these weird things. So yeah. So then it like goes away. Cause I asked God and God takes it away, I guess. Um, and then I'm like, fine, you know, for a while, I'm still, you know, mentally unstable, um, but not completely, you know, I just have like depression and anxiety still not really feeling that great about myself. 
Um, and you know, a couple years go by, I'm still just kind of like, eh. um, and I had been clean. Okay. So like Saul Luciano at this point was, I think like two, cause this happened in like 2020, like this story I'm about to tell happened in 2020. Yeah. 2020. So Luciano was like maybe three cause he's about to be six. So he's like three and a half. Saul's like five. Um, and I'm trying, you know, I'm always trying to be a better parent. I'm trying to do better. I just never felt like I could get there. Um, I was very hard on myself. Uh, when I would get depressed, I would tell myself, no, get up and go do something. But I was mean to myself. You know, I was not very nice about it. You know, I was just like, no, you cannot sit there and be sad. You have to get up. And I thought I was doing something good. You know, I really thought that I was like motivating myself. But in all actuality, as I was just really being really hard on myself and not accepting any kind of failure. Um, and it was scary. So, yeah, so that happens. And then I relapse on methamphetamine in 2020. I cheat on Jimmy um, and I go to jail for the first time. I go to jail. And when I'm in jail, I see these demons. I'm hallucinating like crazy because I took a crazy amount of methamphetamine at this point. Um and I'm seeing demons. And then out of nowhere, I see this silhouette of Jesus. And I'm like, whoa. Like, you know, it's funny because I was so comfortable. It's funny because I tell this story and everyone's like, you sounded real comfortable with these demons. But then when you saw Jesus, you got scared. I was like, yes, it's funny. Because <laughs> I saw I was so comfortable with these snakes and these demons just chilling, you know, looking at me, you know. But I was not, you know, when I saw Jesus, I got scared. I was like, whoa, what are you here? Like, why are you here? Um so I get out of jail and I'm like, I think I need to get close to God. Like, I don't know, maybe. So um, I go and I go to this mental hospital now out again to get back on medication. And my best friend in there is like a pastor for some reason. I'm like, why are you, you know, it's just, it's just these weird little um, signs that didn't make any sense to me. And then I start, I had a Bible in my room and no one else did. Um and then I get out of the hospital and my therapist is like, SB, you need to go to AA or something. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to that stuff. It's stupid. And she was like, well, there's this thing called Celebrate Recovery, but it's Christian and you're not that. So I don't know if you'll like it. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that either. Um, so, but one day I do end up going to Celebrate Recovery because I don't want to go to AA or NA. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go to this place. Um, and the, the, the pastor there is teaching on hope. And my name in is Esperanza and it means hope. Um, and I'm like, what? And so I'm like sitting there. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Like I'm freaking out. Um, I did not want to be there. I was scared. You know, all these people are in there so happy. And I'm, I'm like, why are you guys so happy? You know, I'm like what's going on here? <laughs> why are you guys like praising this thing? You know, God, you know, I'm like, why? Well, I'm so confused. Um, and then the pastor's teaching on like having a, faith as small as a mustard seed and whatever so I'm like no like no I don't think so I don't think I do and this supernatural force just gets me and I just stand up and I'm like I I want to give my life to Jesus and they're and he's like and everyone's so happy you know they're so happy about it but I'm like why are you guys so happy like I'm so broken inside like I want to die um and um so yeah, I gave my life to Jesus that night. Um, and you know, as the months go on, you know, I get baptized. I'm not fully invested 
because I was like, no, I still really like doing shrooms and like, I still really like being crazy and doing ecstasy and like doing Coke on the weekend. And like, we, we had this like double life. We would say we're like, I'm a rock star Christian. I used to say that all the time. Like I was like, I'm a rock star Christian because, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like on Sunday, I'm, you know, in church, worshiping God, praying, whatever. But on the other days, every night I'm, sm I'm doing something crazy. And I liked it that way. I was like, yeah, God's fine with that. Like, I was like, he loves me, you know? So, um, uh, so I keep doing that. And then I end up going to jail again, uh, like in October of last year, I go to jail in October because I tried to kill myself again. Um, I overdosed on like all my Klonopin, um, and my muscle relaxers. And I wake up in the middle of my, I, I think it was the next day. I don't know. And, um, and I wake up and I just get up and I drive to go get heroin. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I didn't know what was going on. I was like on autopilot and yeah. I just go get heroin. I've never done heroin. Never, never done it. And I was like, no, I'm going to go do it. And I just go. And I don't know how I'm doing this. I don't even know how I got there. I go behind the stratosphere. I don't know. I've never even been around there, really. I go and I get it. I come home. I don't even know how much I had gotten. I just gave the guy money. He gives it to me. And I come home and I just do it. Like, I'm just smoking it. And Jimmy's just, like, wakes up and he's like, what are you? What? Why is there money missing out of my account? And my mom's like, you look crazy. Like, you literally look like you're going to die. And I was like, I did heroin. Like, I just say it, you know, so nonchalantly. And they're just like, oh, my gosh. So Jimmy goes to, because this is a freaking thing. At a, you know, it's this point where everyone's just like, okay, SB's doing it again. You know, whatever. You know, they're more mad than they are, like, worried. Yeah. Um. So my mom calls the cops because she's like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no. And the cops come and I have a warrant because I hadn't went to court for my other court date um, for my other case. So I go to jail and, um, you know, I'm high. So I go to jail. I come out and like I start I go back to like an IOP type program, an intensive outpatient program for my to stop doing drugs, you know, to just stop. Um, and while I'm there, uh, in just, so I, I go like late October and I'm there and it's like December at this point. And I had been clean for a little bit, like maybe like 30 days at this point. And I go to my friend's birthday party and I said, I'm not going to go. Like God told me don't go. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm just going to go for a little bit. And every time I don't listen to God, nine times out of 10, nothing good happens. So <laughs> I go and I cheat on Jimmy again and I end up drinking like a crazy person. And so I come out and I come home at like four in the morning. I tell Jimmy what happened. Jimmy's not even surprised at this point. You know, he's just like, okay, you know, all right. And then I talk to my therapist and she's like, you know what? You're going to rehab. Like, you're going to rehab. And I was like, no, I don't want to go to rehab. And she's like, yes, you're going to rehab. So I go to rehab. And that was in December of, 20, you know, this this last December. And um, I go to rehab. And that was, like, a crazy time for me. Um, I go to rehab for 30 days. And I got really close to God. Because, you know, I'm there, you know. And, I ha you know, I had to really get close to him. Because I was like, I need to have this relationship with you. Um, I get close to him 
And while I'm in rehab, I'm not on medication this whole time. I, I told them I don't want to take medication. And I haven't been on medication since like a month before I went in. Like that time when I had cheated on Jimmy and went to my friend's birthday, I wasn't on medication. Like I was supposed to go pick up my medication and I just hadn't. Like I just forgot and I just hadn't picked it up. And I was doing fine. Like I was fine. So I was just like, whatever, I'm just not going to take it. So I go into rehab and I'm not taking medication. Um, and they're like, okay, well, it's your choice. You know, I mean, you don't have to. And, um, you know, they do all these tests. I'm not even bipolar. Like, they're like, you have no signs of bipolar. You have nothing. Like, I, you have some anxiety. Like, yeah, you have a little bit of anxiety, but not even like panic attack type anxiety. Like, it's just kind of like normal generalized anxiety. And they found out I don't have any of that. Like, through this whole time that I'm there, um, God just did some things like out of nowhere. Like I start. And so I get out of rehab and, um, I come home and everybody's just like, dude, you look different. Like you're acting so different. And, you know, I have a really solid relationship with God at this point. And I know that God removed those things for me. He just kind of was like, no, you know what? You're good now. Like, I see that you're really trying at this point. And, like, it it makes no sense, you know, it just doesn't really make any sense how for 12 years, like 12 years, I'm on medication and I'm trying to kill myself and I'm in jail and I had no hope for myself and I hated my life and I couldn't stop cheating on Jimmy and I couldn't love my kids correctly. And I was a psychopath, like I was literally crazy. And out of nowhere, God just was like, no, you're good now. Like, you're good. And it makes no sense. Like, I've been, it's been about five months. I haven't had not one drug. I haven't had not one drink of anything. I haven't had a medication in my body. I haven't had, like, I haven't even had, like, any of these problems. I haven't been depressed. I mean, I'll get sad yeah. and stuff. But I, I, you know, and I, and coming out of rehab, I kind of was like, what are normal emotions? You know? Like, what are normal emotions? What do normal people feel? Um, that was really hard for me to kind of do, is have normal emotions. Um, I was like, is like, is am I, am I being happy or is this like too happy? Like, because, you know, being bipolar is really scary because mm -hmm. you're like, am I too happy? Right? Like, you always have to be paying attention to what's going on with you. Like, you have to be on high alert at all times because you could slip in like a second and go manic or you could slip really quick and go into a deep depression and like want to kill yourself so I had to be really obsessed with my emotions and then coming out of rehab like I'm fine you know but I'm scared because I'm like I'm not depressed but I'm sad like but this is a like I'm not depressed but I'm sad like is that okay like am I supposed to be sad is like like is that normal you know like I didn't know what yeah, like it's not were. like it's not a like you're so used to being so sad that it's n like abnormal that when you just have a sad moment or a sad day, you're just like, you don't know how to accept it. <laughs> no, it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, my sadness before was I cannot physically move. Like I cannot physically move and come out of this and get out of my bed. Like my body hurts. My brain is foggy. I can't even talk. Like, I just, I can't fathom life right now, you know? And that was yeah. just, you know, that was normal. And now I'm just kind of sad. And I'm just like, 
am I, do I have, am I like not having normal emotions anymore? Like, am I just like apathetic at this point? You know, like I thought that there was something wrong with me. I was like, you know, having normal emotions, um, even being excited about things. Like I thought that I was having anxiety or I was being manic again. And I'm like, no, you're like just excited. Like you're just, you're just excited about something completely normal. And it was just really weird. It was just really weird um, coming out and like having normal emotions. And every day I woke up and like, cause before I never brushed my teeth. Like I never used to brush my teeth. Like that was a huge thing for me. I would go weeks without brushing my teeth like ever. And I wouldn't brush my hair. I wouldn't shower. I wouldn't do anything. Cause I was just so depressed. And um, now I'm like coming out of rehab every day you know that's like normal you know i'm like it's normal you brush your teeth you wash your face you brush your hair you change your clothes um you eat breakfast i don't know you know like i was just doing normal things but it was just really weird for jimmy to see it was weird for my family to see that i was just doing normal things you know just very normal things was weird um i started actually caring about myself i was very very i loved myself for once, you know, I was able to look at myself in the mirror and be like, Hey girl, like you look good. Like even, you know, um, it was just really weird and it was scary. Um, in the beginning and I was just, you know, and I know everybody's kind of waiting on my downfall. Like some people are, um, because like, especially my family, cause they've just known me for so long and you know, you can't just expect people to be like, yeah, Espy's fine. You know, like Espy's perfectly fine. You know, she has God in her life. She's in the church. She's volunteering. Her kids are in, you know, Saul's in therapy. Like, you know, she's actually like eating good. Like, you know, it's kind of hard to accept that it's still happening and it's being consistent. Um, And because I would be, well, I never really was consistent to be honest, but I mean, I would be okay for a couple of months and then out of nowhere, you get a call and Espy's in jail you know and so or ask you try to kill herself so i think that my family's just a little hesitant right now and maybe a lot of my friends are too of just like is she really fine you know is she is she okay you know <laughs> and it's okay with me now you know i'm just kind of like it's all right like i wouldn't be able to just be like yeah that she's fine um but it's like a really just crazy roller coaster of things like it's just a really deep crazy roller coaster of things that's happened in my life that and out of nowhere, you know, it's just kind of scary how just out of nowhere, I'm fine. You know, I just, I'm, I'm cool. You know, I'm just, I'm fine. I don't have, and the only explanation I have, you know, for me is that, you know, God is Jesus. You know, he just like, was like, no, you're cool now. You know, you're good. Like, you don't have any of those problems anymore. And I'm just like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, what do you mean? I don't have any of these problems anymore. Like that's ingrained in my DNA. You know, I feel like it was ingrained in my DNA and it was something I was going to pass on to my children. It was something that they were going to deal with. And now my kids are like, they like Saul was super traumatized because, you know, just seeing me go up and down and up and down and up and down and sleeping all day and then, you know, crying for hours. Like he was just very traumatized. And now Saul's like, and he had really big abandonment issues because I would be in the hospital all the time, you know, just be like gone. And now he's like, finally trusting me. You know, he's finally like, oh, okay, you know what? Mom is being consistently the same. And it's weird, but I like it. 
You know, like mom really is paying attention to us. Mom really cares about what we're eating. Mom really cares about what we're doing. Mom's playing with us and teaching us things. And she's taking us to church and she's teaching us about God. And Saul's starting to like really be okay now. Um, Luciano was always kind of, he still was very young. Um, but he's getting it too. He's just kind of like, oh, well, my mom is like actually like cares about us. You know, she's like actually playing with us and not sleeping all day and you know crying all the time and gone you know it's 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 a beautiful thing and me and jimmy our relationship is just like crazy too because it's just like we used to be like those people who are like every five seconds yelling at each other throwing things at each other you know f you and you know all these crazy things you're a you know like jimmy's done just as bad as what i've done you know this is just my story though. You know, this is about what I've yeah. done. So, but Jimmy's not an angel either, but God has really been able to take some really broken people and, you know, me, Jimmy and the kids and just in the matter of like three, four months, just like snap his fingers and like life is just kind of like normal. All right, and that's a wrap for part one of SB's story. Stay tuned for next week. We will have part two. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.